Welcome to Side Hustle City. And thanks for joining us. Our goal is to help you connect to real people who found success turning their side hustle into a main hustle. And we hope you can too. I'm Adam Kaler. I'm joined by Kyle Stevie, my co-host. Let's get started. All right. Welcome back, everybody, to the Side Hustle City podcast. Today's special guest, Laura Johns. She is the founder and CEO of The Business Growers. Laura, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to be here. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm pumped. And Ariana Suarez, you're with us as well. She's yeah, yeah, she's hanging out with me her first week on the job. So she's getting to learn and hang out. So <laughs> well, look at this. Well, I mean, no better way than to uh, listen, you know, being part of a podcast where she explains the whole business to us. So hey, that's I awesome. can't wait to hear what she has to say. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be great. Love it. So you've been doing this, it looks like for 18 years. Uh, we talked a little bit before the, the show started here about you know, your experience and, and some of the education that you had and, you know, the schools that you went to. And yeah. now just talk about like, I mean, what got you into wanting to be a business owner uh, in, in Mississippi? Yes, that's a great question. Well, I mean, I'm sure that you, this might, may or may not resonate with you. I don't know that anybody's born, you know, thinking, you know, you, you hear you know, six and seven year olds. I have a seven year old and a three year old now. So I'm going to kind of speak thinking about them, but, um, you know, they want to be doctors or lawyers or teachers or scientists or, you know, um, astronauts, but no one ever thinks <laughs> I want to be the CEO. Of, or I want to be an entrepreneur. I want to, I want to grind, uh, all the time. That's just, that's yeah. I want, to I want to work 80 hours a week. Right. Yeah. Right. But really, um, you know, I would say I'm one of those that was definitely an accidental entrepreneur. Although looking back, I do see, you know, seasons and pieces of my life that makes it, you know, looking back, make it very obvious now why this was a fit for me. Um, I have always had a side hustle. And I think it's funny that almost every girl that, you know, woman that works for me also has multiple jobs. So that, that's, um, you know, kind of the culture that, <laughs> that I guess yes. uh, put off, but that's definitely something I've always done, even from, um, you know, starting, you know, I, I worked at a snow biz, a snow cone stand and in junior high and always babysat. So I always did more, more than one thing. Um, and then growing up, I always worked in college. Um, you know, I had parents that were kind enough to pay for my education, but you know, any extra money outside of my tuition was something that was my responsibility. So I always, you know, I've never, I don't know that I've ever had one job. I've always had multiple jobs. And then, um, you know, I've always, I've never been one that if there was something that I wanted, that I wouldn't just figure out a way to work to get yeah. it. So that's really, you know, that's my whole life story. And then when I, um, when you bring a, a husband and a family into the mix, you start to realize the things that really are important to you. And it wasn't that I couldn't have made it work at an eight to five for someone else. But, you know, you pull up to an office enough when you're working for someone else, when you realize, hey, I have 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 a skill that I think that it's proven based on my experience that people need. And I know that I could do this and also not have to ask permission to cut out for the school program or to pick up my son. And so knowing that really is what drove me. And I do also feel like once you once you know that, once it kind of settles into your soul, then you really can't go to work very much longer before you implode. 
Oh my God. And I've talked to enough people on this podcast. They all, they all say I could never go back. Like at this yeah. point, it, like the freedom is too intoxicating. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's crazy that there are people out there and we take it for granted. I think sometimes because I can just schedule a lunch meeting with somebody to do some networking. We can grab a coffee. Uh, you know, that's easy. That's nothing. It's like, yeah, sure. Yeah. Let's, uh, let's do it next Thursday or whatever. Right. Yeah. But there are people who literally don't have the time to get away to network. And I think that's the hardest part about having, you said eight to five job, you know, for some people, if you're on salary, it could be, you know, seven to seven or whatever. whatever. Right. But right. you're literally an indentured servant to these people yeah. and you can't yeah. get out. And it's terrible. And I love what you said about encouraging your own employees and people that are working oh, yeah. for you to have a side hustle because you, I mean, I, I don't own you. Like I'm not, I'm, you know, do what you've got to do. I, right. you'd almost feel like a hypocrite to not allow them the, right. the, the freedom to be able right. to do what you did. I mean, it's, right. it's awesome that you do that. Yeah. And there, you know, I think that's, that is a, I really should attribute that mindset to the previous bosses that I've had. So I was never, I never felt imprisoned or I never felt stuck. I always had a, an element of freedom just because I've always worked for really understanding and great people. Um, but I do think like that paired with, I know that what I do is something that could benefit a number of businesses versus just the one that I'm in. And once I had that conviction, I knew that it was certainly something that I needed to do, you know, elsewhere and with other companies. But, you know, my my team um, is based on, you know, the, their performance and the way that they work is based on, um, you know, a number of different key performance indicators and things like that. But it's relevant to what they're doing in my business and I really, you know, we, we, we talk a lot about our core values, which, you know, trust, balance, growth, a lot of these things that really I couldn't say, hey, balance, growth, trust are, are you know, huge core values for us. And this is what we mean. And then, you know, yeah. have any sort of negative um, comment about them, you know, having a little, picking up a little side hustle. I've got one, uh, one team member, she's gets excessive with the side hustle. She's got a spray tan business. She's got a photography business. <laughs> she's got pretty much every, every time she comes up with an idea, I, I encourage her to do it. But I do, you know, that also with that trust core value, you say, okay, with trust comes accountability and I am going to keep you accountable to do your job while you're working for me. So that, you know, there's a, there's a balance there, I think. Oh yeah. My cousin, she just, uh, she started a daycare app. She sold it. She, the guy who bought it from her didn't really do anything with it, sold it back to her, like pretty much gave it back to her. She sold it again the next day. Then she started a mobile tanning business. So like your employee nice. with the mobile tan, like they yeah. drive to your house and they'll tan you at your house and yeah. stuff. And, That's uh, yeah. Wonderful. That's awesome. Yeah, we did the logo for her and everything. It's just like she keeps starting businesses. And I'm like, go ahead. And we've actually got it, one of our previous episodes. We have a women's business accelerator here in Covington, oh. Kentucky. It's called oh. Aviatra. And she graduated from it. We oh. have a woman that rents. I own this co-working space and the, the basement of it is a commercial kitchen. Well, the woman who rents from me, she uh, she also graduated from their program. She just hit a million dollars in business, a million dollars in revenue, which the people from Aviatra told me only 3% of women-owned businesses ever get to a million in revenue, believe it or not. 
Interesting. She said a I lot of times that. it's lifestyle businesses, right? It's yeah. because they're yeah. they're doing the lifestyle businesses, but yeah. you know, it trying to encourage uh, women to think bigger, to get into more like technology type businesses. Uh, you know, I mean, look at you. I mean, you're, you're doing stuff that you rarely hear, uh, you know, Hey, you ask a girl, Hey, do you want to get into telecom? Do you want to, do you want right. to get into it cloud services? Right. Like, they're not thinking yeah. like that, you know? And it's like, not like, sign me up, sign <laughs> me up for, yeah, this SaaS uh, marketing business that I want to create, yeah. you know, what got, yeah. what got you down that path? Yes, that's that's a great question. So when I was in college, this is also, you know, a bit of an unconventional entry into an industry. But when I was in college, I um, babysat for a family um, who the husband of the family was the CEO of a very up and coming tech company for utilities. It was a company that put a cellular embedded module inside an electric meter so that a meter reader never had to come to your house. It was all done through. Oh yeah, 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 sure. So I worked. um, So after I graduated college, um, I went to work for that company. They needed, they had no marketing really to speak of. It was very new. I think I was the 30th employee maybe. And then fast forward eight years later, the company grew and sold for a hundred million to a bigger technology company. And I got to be a part of my first acquisition and seeing how that um, worked. And it was just a really cool, uh, a really cool experience for me and was able. And then I think when we, when he sold the company, we were over a hundred employees. So to go from being the 30th employee to the, you know, over a hundred employees, then went to work for the company that bought us for several years. And that was a cool experience. It was an $8 billion global company that um, I was one of, you know, 60 to 80 marketing team members. And so I got to see, you know, I, I was able to experience what it was like to be on that side of, you know, of the, of the business. So um, really just taking a step in something as, as, you know, insignificant as a babysitting job um, got me into technology. And then, you know, I started making connections. Once you're in an industry for 10 years, you start making connections and, and through, I was, I was on a business trip. This is how it always happens, but was on a business trip for my current job. Um, found out that a friend of mine from church was in San, uh, San Francisco at the same time I was in San Francisco we had dinner and started talking about his telecommunications business. That was a locally owned business. I had just gotten married and was really not sure that I wanted to be making, you know, quick trips to Singapore <laughs> like I was. No. Had, to, had to up and up and go to um, to France. We kind of last minute, a couple other things. So um, I loved travel, but I knew that this next phase of my life, you know, was probably not going to include a whole lot of global last minute travel. So um, he pretty much there at dinner said, you know, offered me a job and that put me in a, you know, another type of technology, but a very similar managed services provider, fiber internet provider um, technology position. So it was through that um, particular job, that second you know career move for me, where I really saw his company was about 25 employees. It was founder led and owned, um, you know, very tight knit, but really they didn't have a budget for a full marketing team. Like me as the CMO, I was their budget, their marketing budget pretty much, but we needed some really specialty marketing and, you know, you as a digital marketer, you know, this, but like oh, yeah. you, you still need your C, your SEO expert and you still need your graphic designer. And typically that's not one person. It's fractional <laughs> marketing. It's and right. that's what we, on my website, that's what we promote ourselves as is offsite yeah. team. 
It's yep. uh, does fractional marketing and, right. you know, you, you have fractional CFOs. I think that's probably the most fractional right. position right. to have because CMOs are really, really expensive. And, you know, right. fractional marketing is no different where, yeah, you have so many teams. I mean, do you, do you want, and, and the funny thing is, is these guys do not know how to uh, staff a marketing right. department. Like they wouldn't know the skills that you need to staff a fully functioning marketing department. They need to outsource that to somebody who actually does. Yeah. Yeah. So it, what, what I saw were that, that agencies or, you know, agencies that I had as CMO at a tech company, I was experiencing um, working with a lot of agencies that really were providing get more like vendors. Like they were giving me a website and then I was done. And I really mm. felt like no one was partnering with me and I was all they had from a marketing standpoint. And he was expecting me to deliver so a lot of pressure on those marketing leaders. And so, yes, yeah, so we for specifically for founders and tech companies, um, that particularly was a need that I saw that I knew I could could deliver on. So when what I love about this story, too, and what I, I think if, if people are listening right now and they're involved in any kind of business, you know, they're working a nine, eight, eight to five, eight to eight to eight, whatever in the world you're involved in. What you did was you didn't come out of college thinking, Hey, look, I'm going to start a business doing this and serving these types of customers. You adapted to what you were given, right? You, you were in this position, you worked for a company, you saw, and, and it's funny because we, we lead parallel lives, I think, because I also worked for an ad agency where I was like a marketing guy, designer, yep. and we sold the business. So I saw someone who was an entrepreneur who was my boss. Yeah. I saw him sell a business yeah. see that success. And then off I go with this entrepreneur, everybody that worked for him ended up becoming a freelancer or an entrepreneur of some sort. And, yeah. you know, you just don't know where your life's going to take you, but right. you roll with the punches as an entrepreneur. Right. And that's what right. you did. Right. And I did it right around COVID with a newborn. <laughs> too, Which so. I, yeah, I haven't had that so problem. That so yeah, that's a whole new setup. The, you know, uh, yeah, entrepreneurship was scary. With a newborn was scary. Motherhood but, plus entrepreneurship. Yeah, and, tough. And COVID. So that I had COVID. Cool. Yeah, gosh, I just, man. I just went big, you know. I went big all at one time. So, but it, it worked out. Sounds like it. Sounds like it. So talk a little bit about the company now. Uh, you know, how does it operate? How is it structured? You know, yeah. it sounds like you guys are, I mean, you got 50 clients, 23 states. That's huge. Maybe even more by now since you wrote this bio. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, tell, tell me a little bit about how you've structured it because we all have to be a little bit different as marketers and we all have a, a specific pitch to the niche we we serve. Yep. yep. So we're, we're a bit different. Our, you know, than a, than a typical agency, like I said, we don't work, I don't do any one-time projects. So there's no one-time exchange of any, um, you know, you ask for a website, I deliver it and my hands are clean. Um, but none of that. And again, that goes back to just my personal conviction of what I learned as the CMO at a tech company when I really needed a partner and I didn't feel like I was ever really getting that. So I work in, um, in, you know, we're, we have obviously like we have the SEO expert, we have the, the graphic expert, we have the web development expert, we have all of these team members that essentially a tech company would need. And then we have your account manager. And depending on the level of support you need, we have our junior, you know, JV team, and then our, our senior team, you know, mm -hmm. kind of fractional CMO or senior uh, client success manager. So depending on your level of need, you would have somebody, you know, hands-on all the time based on the level of support. And that person really becomes your in-house, you know, marketing account manager, team member, project manager, et cetera. 
And, and we're really structured. Um, you know, when I first started, I will say I took an employee with me that I'd planned to hire at my other company and midstream, which was, is a, it was a blessed by the CEO of the company is very good, good person. Like I said. And so she was my first employee, Grace. She's still with me today. And, um, you know, those first, you know, couple of months I was taking whatever I could get. I didn't specialize in anything. I was just thinking whatever we can do to make sure we make ends meet. Mm -hmm. And that carried on for about six months until I stopped and looked at the numbers and realized, okay, what, what do I enjoy doing? What makes me the most money and where do I feel like we're making the most impact? And I took all of those three considerations and looked at my P&L and from there made the decision to pivot into technology. And that's, again, where I really felt like we were making you know big impact. We were also making money and, and really having a lot of fun because I saw these light bulbs go off in these minds of CEOs who had been saying what they did in one really complicated manner for a decade. And we were able to simplify it and really get that message right for them. So, um, so all of that to say, you know, how are we structured? Um, I am, of course, leading. And right now, thanks to Ariana, who has joined our team recently, we've grown in two, a little over two years to 15 um, women. I've, I've managed to have hired women um, all, only up until this point. And I, I can't say that that's like totally strategic, but now at this point, it's like, ooh, you know, I'm sure nobody yeah, it is what it is now. Yeah. It, so yeah. Hey, I, um, most of the places I worked with were full of women and I was like one of yeah. the only guys there. So yeah. And it was all marketing stuff too. So I think women um, yeah. are just attracted to marketing. There's something about it, something communal about it, something that, you know, women are just good with people, I think, and just naturally understand how to sell and how to talk to people, especially when it comes to project management and yeah. client service. Yeah, relationship. Yeah, yeah, there's not a lot of guys that are, I don't know, yeah. good salespeople, but not not necessarily, right. you never see them in the client service roles, really. Right. Um, well, and you know, what's interesting. I'm glad that you said that because, and I, I wasn't going to say that, but I will say that specifically in technology, I feel like, um, you know, that industry, <clears throat> excuse me, that industry is really, um, you know, desperate for connectors. Like we need technology is not always that simple and we need um, people who can communicate, who can connect yes. and who can take, you know, high, maybe, you know, potentially very complex technology concepts and make them simple for the buyer. And I really do believe that women have a unique way of doing that. And that has proven to be um, part of our success so far. So again, we have those senior level account managers. Obviously we have our production team that includes our um, specialist in all these different services. We have Vicki, who is our VP of ops. So she's kind of running the show. That was one need that I knew that I needed really quickly because yes. I'm not good with the details. And um, and so we have really, I feel like now that we've hit just past the two-year mark, that was June 1st was the two-year mark. Um, I really feel like we are getting in a groove where um, I'm getting out of the day-to-day, -day, which is better for everybody, the business and the client. <laughs> work work and, um, on the and, business, not in the business. Really yeah. working on the business, which I honestly, if you had asked me two years ago, I would have said that's not possible. And it it just in a, in a short time frame, which seems like kind of long, but also short, um, it, it really is possible. So it's, it's working now, which is exciting. Well, you need levels of people before anyone can get to you because, yeah. and that's with a lot of things. I mean, you, your regular employees, 
don't necessarily need direct access to you. They need to go through an operations person or whatever. Yeah. Otherwise people, I mean, it just, it, it makes the, uh, I don't know. There's something about it. I mean, my wife deals with it too. She's got a spa and, yeah. you know, sometimes it gets really, really hard when employees want something and they feel like they have a friendship with you and they can just go directly yeah. to you and it just gets really uncomfortable for you. And then other employees kind of, it's not a good thing. So you really do need levels. You need to get to that point, but you know what people are going to ask, especially women owned businesses that, you know, might be smaller, one or two people. How do you get to 15 people? You know, how do you take it from this freelance kind of thing to, because people are going to say, well, I don't have the money for an employee. I can't, but you can't free yourself. You can't free yourself to work on the business, not in the business until you can put these people in place. But how do you get to the point where you can actually afford these people. Do you go out and get a business loan? Do you, you know, raise some money from friends and family? Like, what do you do? And then how do you have the confidence to do it? Yeah, I I did not at first have the confidence to do it. And now I'm just like hiring people left and right and hoping that, you know, we have the money to. (laughs) (laughs) And they do their job. Yeah. No, but I, yeah. At the, I will say now, looking back, I have read a book since that really put it very plainly. So I'll tell you about the book here in just a second. But um, I knew, so I had actually had a little side hustle before where I was, I, I knew that the intent of the, the business was so that I could not have to drive as much for my job. So I actually went part-time before I started this business with my, my previous employer when I had my first son, just because I needed, um, I was on, in a car for like 17 to 20 hours a week and had a newborn and it was my first son and just knew that wasn't right. So I actually started a business at the time just to make up the other half of my income. And I went part-time with my previous employer. So that job was just my whole point of the, of owning that LLC was to make half of my salary to pay the bills. Mm. So I had no interest in managing anyone. I had no interest in growing the business. I had no interest in um, it being it, anything other than a financial resource for me to have my, my family and support my family. So then fast forward to starting this business. When I started this business, I realized really quickly this is something I want to grow. So when I started, I made the sacrifice. Thankfully, I've been profitable since my second month of business. So I've not had to borrow anything or ask for anything. I will say a line of credit has been very helpful and just with cash flow early yes, on. Yes, cash flow can be um, a problem. Yes. But in terms of, you know, actually having to make any financial um, you know, a loan or anything like that, have not had to do that. But I will say I've read a book called Buy Back Your Time by Dan Martell, I believe is the name. And Ariana and I are reading it together again now, but he actually creates what he calls your buyback rate. So it's a great book for entrepreneurs. It has totally changed my life. And it tells you, it gives you some things to calculate and tells you, here's how you create your buyback rate so that you know how to get rid of some of these things that you know you shouldn't be doing. Um, He puts the different types of tasks that you do, like what lights you up, but doesn't make you money, what lights you up, but does make you money, what, you know, doesn't make you any money, but, you know, so you have these four quadrants and then you're able to actually say, okay, everything in this quadrant, I need to use my buyback rate, whatever that dollar amount is. And it's not your hourly rate. It's, it's something different. It's actually a calculation, but once you calculate that, you know, Hey, can I hire somebody for this amount to do these things in this box today? And if the answer is you can, that rate is reasonable for that type of role, then go do it every time. Don't worry about anything else. Oh, wow. That's some so, good insight. Yeah. So look, it looks like Kyle Stevie just joined us. 
on the on the call here. He was on the phone with some with some insurance people, I guess. And here oh, he here he is, Kyle. You there? Yeah, buddy. No, I was with Mark Willis. He was uh, one of our guests. Uh, I don't know however long ago. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, we just, sometimes we get guests, Laura, that are awesome, and we're like, "Hey, wait a minute, why don't I use them for this thing, whatever it is, <laughs> or recommend oh, yeah. people for things, or whatever we end up doing?" But yeah, so okay, Kyle, you were doing that. Awesome. Yeah, setting that up so then I can work work with Monica as well. Nice. Okay. Well, Laura essentially does a lot of what I do. She's focused more on uh, a particular industry, uh, more IT technology type of industries, even tech startups and stuff like that. So we're chatting about like how to like get over the hump of the, or the fear, I guess, of hiring employees. And then how do you know you've got enough money coming in to be able to hire that employee? And, and also Laura, like some of these employees, they don't make you money necessarily like they're just there to make sure that your clients don't get upset with you because you're not writing them back or, you know, getting with them on time. I mean, these client service people, they're kind of an expense. And I mean, that can be a really expensive expense. Yeah, it can be. And, you know, the way that I look at it though is, um, and now my my VP of ops, we have a new uns, it's it's a it's not an unspoken it's a spoken rule is that I can't take on new clients without her approval. Um, because my problem is that I, I'll try to manage them, and yeah. we all know that that is not what what we need to do. Um, we've been you know we've we found that that's not the best route to take. But you know I I have the tendency to feel like um, you know if I know that. I, I will say they don't all make you money, but they do. When you look at, should I be doing it or should someone else be doing it? If you know, the answer is not me, then that certainly makes the the hiring decision a lot easier. And again, like you kind of start to know, I, you know, I'm doing a vendor assessment right now and looking at my, my vendors that I'm using for things, um, some of the services that I'm offering. And I'm thinking, you know, could we bring this in house? Could this be something that needs to be a person that's sitting with us every day versus, um, you know, versus a partner that we're using to, to offer the service. So those are types of things that you can also kind of uh, figure out as you go that can help save you money in the long run. I just, I kind of, I don't know. I kind of agree, disagree with that, with that, with that outlook that they don't make you money because I don't know if you have a good defensive basketball player and they might not, they might not score eight points a game, but, They're going to keep the, they're going to make the leading score from the other team play below, like, I don't know, yep. eight nine points below their per game average. Then, then they're actually, they money. actually are, they're increasing your value. Yes. So you may not see the revenue, right? but the, the value of your company goes up. You may help you penetrate accounts with customers that you didn't, that you, you were having a hard time with, right? but they like talking to this person a little bit more than they like talking to you. And you just have to go more into the operations role with them. Right. And Kyle, that's exactly what I meant by if it means me doing it or some hiring somebody else to do it. And, you know, I know what I know now better than I did when I started the business, what things I'm best at. And so if there is a hole that needs to be met and I'm trying to fill it with someone who's not equipped for that role, then that's costing me money. And that's really when I read the book, Buy Back Your Time, I was just mentioning this, Kyle, um, and just a minute ago to Adam, I read a book called Buy Back Your Time, and it, it gives you a calculation to, to figure out your buyback rate as a CEO or entrepreneur. And with that rate, you kind of figure out like, here are all the things that really I'm not good at and don't need to be doing. And it gives you, you know, a, a very 
tangible way to to know how to offload that because the CEOs feel like we we should be doing things if there are holes that need to be filled. But truthfully, it can cost you money if you're doing it and you're not great at that or not equipped to do it. Details are becoming less and less something that I need to be involved in. And I'm learning that, that it's going to cost me if I, if I continue to do that. So, so Laura, if you were to write a book, what would the book, what would the book be about? Like you've got this, you know, we just talked about, you know, this book that you like and you found helpful, but if you could write a book and help someone with their business or, or maybe it doesn't even relate to business. Maybe it's, you know, something else, but what would you write that book about? You know, I really think it would be, you know, not to get too, um, too into to female empowerment, but that has definitely, you know, I have definitely, um, I, I've always had male bosses. Let's start with that. Always had men as mm-hmm. bosses. And they have always been exceptional to me with the exception of one. I have one that shushed me in a meeting and Ooh, that was not enough for me. Yeah. But that's a different podcast. We'll do that one later. <laughs> but I have always, I have never felt limited starting with mm-hmm. my dad. Um, my dad is a, was it a judge and an attorney? I didn't go the legal route, but um, I have never felt limited by really any, there's, there has never been a time where I felt like I couldn't do something if I didn't, like I mentioned earlier, if I didn't just put my mind to it and figure, figure out how to, you know, get the resources and and do it. So I think that, that especially in the South, now I'm in Mississippi Mm -hmm. where, where a lot of women tend to get married early, earlier than maybe say in New York city or something. Sure. Well, they wait till they're 50. So Right. Right. But (laughs) honestly, I I tell people this all the time. I married at 31, but had I met my husband that I'm married to now, when I was 21, I would have married him then. He's a, he's, he is a hundred percent the right fit for me. So that, you know, the fact that I married him late was not necessarily intentional. That's just when he happened to come along. Right. But, uh, but I will say that part of what my vision is at the business growers is to, to make sure that every woman that works for me doesn't feel like they need something else or someone else to fulfill their passion and their dream. And so that would probably be, you know, there are truly, you know, you, you have everything within you to accomplish what you want to accomplish. And that's, it would be something along those lines. I don't know what it is, but you know, something along those lines. And, you know, I, I changed my own tires. I hung my own curtains. I plunged my own toilets. I cut my own grass. You know, I did a lot of that before I got married. So um, I feel very passionately about, um, you know, and my husband would say I'm hardheaded, but, you know, I, I feel very passionately about um, about knowing that there are truly no limits if you if you set your mind to it. So that may be a little cliche, but that's true. I mean, it is very there is no other woman that's leading a tech focused marketing agency in the state of Mississippi. I can tell you that. So that, you know, that that means something to me. That's right. That's right. And I think uh, you're doing a, a major service for not just, you know, the, the city you're in, but even the state, I mean, you're winning awards, you know, 50 under 40, you know, that kind of stuff. And, you know, to be in Mississippi, to be a female, to 
to hire the vast majority of your staff being female, the the fact that you're focused on technology in a state that nobody th- is, you know, Mississippi's not top of mind for most people when it comes to right, technology. Right, tech hub, exactly. And we startups. Do have a lot of cool things going on, right. Yeah, right. yeah. And I'm actually working with Kentucky right now to try to make Northern Kentucky the side hustle hub because, you know, nobody thinks of Northern Kentucky as the startup hub. But you know what? Right. There's a lot of people here who are very industrious. They can, you know, they yeah. come up with things. They're they're good with their hands. They, you know, and start it, you know, side hustles don't have to be technology based. So, you know, we're trying to kind of position Northern Kentucky as the side hustle hub. But the fact you're doing all of this is a major benefit to not just the economy down there, but it's an inspiration for people that this may not be the the top the thing that they would go to into you know but it's an inspiration for people and i definitely i mean if you were to write that book i think as a person from a state that is in that situation being a female bringing other females into that business i mean that's a unique story that should probably be told yeah well maybe i need to write a book maybe that's it's not it's not that hard any, any, Kyle any just wrote his. Write a book. Yeah, it took him two years. I thought you were about to say it's not that hard to have a, a tech-focused marketing company in Mississippi. Oh no, <laughs> it hasn't been easy. <laughs> Kyle's crazy. He's not stupid. Uh, yeah, like, no, yeah. just say that offline, Kyle. That's <laughs> yeah, yeah. Look, just, I'm just gonna, let Adam. This guest sucks. Let's move on. <laughs> <laughs> but Kyle, Kyle wrote a book. It just took him two years. Kyle, what's yeah, the, the name book. of your book? Digital melting. Okay, I'm looking it up. About tokenization of real uh, real world assets, real estate assets. It's like just taking private in- interests and different like e- equity interests and whatever uh, syndication or private read or whatever, and being able to trade it on the secondary markets with the SEC saying it's compliant and you're okay. Oh. It's a uh, page turner. You're going to read it. Yeah. And you're going to not be able to put it down so carve out about an hour and a half of your time i guess i can't wait that's <laughs> <laughs> exactly <laughs> my my wife bought the first book first first copy and i don't think she's made it past page like six. Oh well it's probably for a specific reader is what it sounds like. oh yeah so. uh slightly a niche market slightly yes. if you're into crypto then you would probably be interested in this book and Kyle, Kyle has a law degree too. So there's like some legal stuff in there and everything else. But, you know, you grew up in, in with a father that was a lawyer, right? So it may, maybe it's something that you, you just wrap your head around right away or whatever. But yeah. <laughs> I'm trying to do a better job of keeping one book in front of me at all times. Uh, you know, reading, I will say I have um, a little problem like sitting down to watch a full TV show. My husband tells me I've never closed a cabinet door fully. <laughs> Um, so I'm that person. I don't know that I've, I've never been diagnosed with ADHD, but I may have it. Um, I'm always moving on to the next thing. So I, I'm not really good at yoga. I'm not really good at sitting down for long periods of time. So the audio uh, book trend has really changed my life. Um, so I do try to do a bit better at that. Same with me while I'm doing something else. That really is a game changer for me. That's right. Well, I ask everybody, have you ever done your Myers-Briggs? Um, I, you know, a long time ago, I have a client who called Good Job that is a a software um, that pr- basically you, you take this assessment similar to that, and they actually through their technology get all of their current employees to take the test, 
and the assessment. And then every, this is not a promotion for them, but I'm, I'm coming full circle. Just give me yeah, a second. Yeah, 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 no. And then any, you, you tell the team, their team, who your front runners, like top dogs are. And then anybody who applies for the job where you've got a top dog, you want their assessment to look similar to the top dog. Oh, smart. And it's very, yeah, it's a very cool software. So the last few years we've been using their technology and, um, and also StrengthsFinder, but I I can't tell you what my, my Myers-Briggs, um, what that is. Well, there's a few of them that are, uh, entrepreneur based and the fact that you can't sit down and, and pay attention and stuff leads me to believe you're, you're one of those main types and yeah, you got all these ideas and it's hard to stay focused on one thing and you're constantly bombarded with new ideas that you want to try. It's like the shiny object syndrome. Yes. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I got that. I do complete things. I just, sometimes it takes me a little time to do it. So now I have a team to help me execute on the ideas, which is the best of both worlds. You've got to have a team. You're in that. I call it, I call it the, uh, you're like an Oh shit worker where it's kind (laughs) of like, Oh shit, I got to get this done. And then all of a sudden you can sit down and get everything finished. That's, that's kind of like how I, it's like not quite a procrastinator because you don't wait to the last minute, last minute, but you're like, Oh yeah, shit, it's I'm getting prepared. close. It's time. I'm a prepared, you know, and I just, look, I'm telling you, Ariana, I'm really glad you're sitting on this podcast because this woman in four days, she started on Monday as my assistant, Kyle, she has color coordinated and emoji <laughs> It looks so good. And she's getting into my click up She's asking me things like, you know, how, you know, do you like, are you a visual person? She's trying to get my tasks kind of organized to where I can like enjoy them when I look at them. I'm like, that's a, that's amazing. Yeah. That's, I would have that person on my life for about a month and a half. And then they would get so sick of rearranging the color coding. I'd be like, I, you're just not paying me enough for this no, headache. She's, she's the boss. I tell her she color codes it and I'll follow her rules. So I'm good. Well, that's good. That's good that you guys got that kind of level of trust. You know, it's, it's hard for people, I think, to hand over their lives to an assistant and, or somebody who can actually help you in that way. But once you have it, it's hard to realize that you had a life before that and and you used to do that. Yeah. I think the tipping point for me, you know, again, I have a seven-year-old and a three-year-old. So the, the tipping point for me over these last few months has been, um, the, the level of late hours and, and again, reading that book and seeing, okay, there are a lot of things that I'm doing every day during the day that really could be handed off to someone. I'm the person that's just going to, that's, I'm just going to do it myself kind of person. And that's not healthy again for the business. So, you know, my goal is eventually for her to recognize what those things are and pass them off for me. So I don't even get, they don't even get in front of me. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. I'll, I'll throw this, I'll throw this out there. Just for you, for you and for young parents in the same boat, um, you don't, and everybody says this, but you don't get it back. Like I'm, I, I'm, I'm in the middle of like, kind of like a midlife crisis myself. So I, my boys are 22 mm. and my daughter's 13 and we, uh, I'm 43. So the boys were young or yeah. were early. So we weren't quite as prepared financially as we wanted to be, obviously, but the, the, uh, feeling you get in the pit of your stomach, like, I should be, I, this could all go away tomorrow. I should be working. I should be taking care of, I got something I got to take care of. I can go, I'll take them out tomorrow for ice cream or we'll go to the park tomorrow or whatever. I'm just telling you, cause I did this myself and, and it sounds like you have your priorities far 
better than I ever dreamt ever did yeah. is that for people listening is that tomorrow turns into like 10 years later and they don't want to be around you 10 years later. They, right. you, then you got to wait till the mid twenties when they're like, Oh, he's not so stupid. Right. Take right. advantage, take advantage of that. All that assignment, that work or whatever, it's going to be there in the morning. Just wake yeah. up a little bit earlier. Yeah. And I saw, I saw something like right as the time that I was reading this book, Kyle, and, and I actually went to a conference in June of this year and sat down at a table with a bunch of CEOs of agencies that all of them had assistants. And I was like, what am I doing? You know, it was a really eye opener for me. Just hearing one of these CEOs saying, I just went on a week long trip with my family this summer and I put my phone in a locker and didn't pick it up the whole Whoa. week. That's unheard like, of. Unfathomable. On my birthday, 40th Whoa. birthday trip to Mexico, my friends took pictures of me last December working every morning while they were at the pool. Yeah. Like, like that's not okay. And I, you know, I'm starting to have like some of those things. And I saw something the other day that said the only person that are going to, the only people that are going to remember that you worked late at night are your kids. Mm, And that was really eye opening for me because they, you know, I see my three-year-old, he'll play work sometimes. And it kind of, you know, I've got to be, I've got to think about how I want him to perceive or even work and what that looks like for mom and what that looks like for dad. So so it's a very real thing. You for saying that it's a very real um thing that i'm you know currently in the middle of and trying to figure out that's why ariana's here um while she, while she is, is part of our team now is to really help me kind of like back so that i don't look back and have any regrets or miss anything well god bless you ariana for taking on this uh this project and, and growing with this company and it's gonna it's gonna help you laura obviously it's gonna it's gonna help the business and it's gonna end up trickling down to all the employees too because they don't have a stressed out ceo running around you yeah. know yeah and i'm not i don't like myself when i am stressed out so i'm glad to have some relief and and really be you know the leader and visionary that i want to be so i'm excited well, what's next for you guys? What's, what's the, what's the next thing? Where do you want to take this? And uh, are you, do you want to stay in this n- niche? Are these the clients you want to go to? I mean, I'll yeah. list them out here, B2B telecom, SaaS, IT, cloud service industries. Yeah. So that is really, again, my passion. And honestly, because I have been head down in client work for the last two years, I have not really started selling, mm. which is amazing. When you said that, that, um, that, statistic about 3% of women owned businesses don't hit a million. We hit a million in 13 months in annual recurring revenue. So that right there is makes me excited because I know that we're doing something that is meaningful, but we've done that without me going to sell or without me actually putting much effort into going to find that ideal client. So now that I feel like every client has a home and I'm not technically over owning any of the client relationships right now, um, or the primary owner of them, I'm going to find our ideal clients and start growing the business intentionally and and selling to the right folks and making sure I'm getting in front of the right folks. So I'm really excited yeah. about that. Yeah. Well, what are the services you're offering? Like, uh, so you said you don't do one-off projects. So somebody comes to you and says, I need a website. You're like, sorry, unless you want to do this, Yes. we're not going to yeah. take you on as a client. What are those? We have an A, B, and C option, depending on how fast you want to grow, kind of starting at the website and SEO package, and then going into social media management, if you're interested in that. And we go all the way up to digital ads. We do over-the-top ads, connected TV, uh, Google, the whole nine yards, but really the foundational. And we also do, included in that foundational package is your branding, messaging. We have a, a certified story brand 
uh, guide that helps us with our messaging and making sure that our client's brand message is, is dead on. So that's all included in that very first foundational package. And then if you're really looking to grow and scale, kind of have the foundation laid, that's where you kind of step into package number three. But we have just three packages that if we're a fit or you're somewhere in between, you got to pick one. So that that actually was a tactic that I and a strategy that I have implemented because I have trouble saying yes, like most CEOs do. And then I'm realizing that my yeses sometimes impact my team negatively mm. because nobody really knows where that client fits and what they're supposed to be doing. And so this way, having an A, B, and C allows us to really streamline the work that we're doing. You can create processes. And then now that you've got processes, you've got reoccurring revenue that makes your business sellable. It's no yeah. longer a lifestyle business. And I think that's yeah. what a lot of people maybe listening to the podcast have to understand is you don't want to be working in a lifestyle business. I mean, you're, you're leaving a company, right? And you think, oh, I'm my own boss. Well, now you're essentially a slave to your business. At some point, yeah. you probably want to sell that business off so that you can then, yeah. you know, retire at 50 and, uh, you know, yeah. go do whatever you want in Mexico. Start business. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Start out. Yeah. This is the problem. This is what we end up doing is just the one problem with us. <laughs> this is the problem with us. Yeah. We got this. We got these problems. This has been awesome, Laura. I really appreciate it. And Ariana, God bless you. Thank you for uh, for helping Laura out and allowing her to uh, to grow and 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 get her sanity back. Because uh, right. yeah, it's it can be tough. It can be tough. And hopefully, you stick around as long as possible and you know start your own businesses too. You never know. That's right. I told her the only thing I don't like about her uh, is that I don't think she's going to be my assistant for very long. She's very talented. So I think she's probably going to move on from me. Oh. We've, got, we've got plenty of room for her here at the business grower. So hopefully she'll stick around, but she's got lots of opportunity ahead. So I love it. I love it. Laura, tell us how uh, people can reach out to you. Yeah. Look for us at the business growers or we're on, we're everywhere. LinkedIn, the biz growers, I think business growers on Instagram, um, we're on Twitter, but I hate Twitter. Um, and yeah, it's, yeah. and um, you can look me up, Laura P. Johns. I'm on Instagram as well. Um, but mostly just look for us on the business growers and you'll see uh, a lot of traction and, and all the new people that we're hiring. We like to post about our new hires. So you'll see who we've got on board. I love it. I love it. Awesome. Well, it's good to see people that are in kind of the same industry here that are that are rocking it out and doing what they're supposed to do and growing businesses. And I, I wish you all the luck in the future. And, and Ariana, good luck with everything you do. And uh, thanks for being on the podcast, Laura. Thank you, Adam. All right. Thanks for joining us on this week's episode of Side Hustle City. Well, you've heard from our guests. Now let's hear from you. Join our community on Facebook, Side Hustle City. It's a group where people share ideas share their inspirational stories, and motivate each other to be successful and turn their side hustle into their main hustle. We'll see you there, and we'll see you next week on the show. Thank you. <laughs>